Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. But the last attribute that we see of the fruit of the Spirit is key in order to see the first eight seen in our lives, and that is self-control. If you do not have self-control in your life, then you will not see joy and peace and patience in your life. This, this, this fruit that God gives us should encourage us in that it is a gift, but also then compel us because it is also a command. We must have self-control in our lives. You know, we, we have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been freed, but we still live in this sinful body. This sinful body still cries out to do what it wants to do. It still has the old fleshly desires. And until we get to heaven, we're going to have this war between our flesh and the spirit. Of course, Satan has not left the building, right? Though you are no longer his servant, he is still against you. And so he is seeking and prowling against those he can devour. That is his strategy. He wants to to, to destroy you. And then there's the message of the world that's coming against us continually. Like I want us to see that we're in a battle and self-control is needed if we are to win the battle. Think about today and the immediacy for us to fulfill our desires. Like what can you do sitting on the sofa these days? Right? used to have to put in a little work to gratify the desires of the flesh, right? You wanted a yummy cheeseburger. You had to get up and go outside your house and, you know, even before, I don't know, was there such thing as fast food before drive through I don't know. But you still had to do the work, right? Now you just kind of a couple of clicks and it just shows up at your door, right? And they ring the doorbell, there it is, right? You may have to get off your couch to go get that. You want to go shopping? Well, let's just flip on the internet. We can shop and we can buy anything from anywhere. I'm feeling, you know, that, that, that I'm just kind of angry right now. Well, I can go on and find all kinds of places to vent my anger on the internet now. All kinds of images are available to me through the internet now. To, to gratify the desires of the flesh has never been easier than right now. And for the believer, we must have self-control. It says, Menikoff says this, whenever you struggle, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that appears only with difficulty. There's a reason Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The Christian life is difficult. There is no easy path to travel, no broad entrance We will find ourselves at war with sin, bloodied and bruised before the last battle is won and the tears are gone. Before we get to heaven, there is a battle to be fought and it is only won through you and I walking with self-control. But God has given us all that we need in order to have self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And so though the battle is hard and the trial is long, it is a battle worth fighting. Amen? And what we're going to see this morning, you don't fight, you don't battle, you lose big time. Both in this life and in the life to come. And so 
Uh, before we get into the scriptures this morning, let me just pray for us and then we're going to get into it. Lord God, we, we come again before you in complete dependence. God, I, I don't need to, to spend long to describe the battle that we all face. Lord, we all have fleshly desires that we face on a daily basis. Lord, we know that left to ourselves, Lord, we will say yes to these things. We will rationalize that somehow sin will be best for us. We will rationalize that, that it would be good for us. And so, God, we, we come before you knowing that left to ourselves, Lord, we will fail. And so, God, we pray, would you help us? Lord, would you help us daily depend on you in this regard? God, we, we want to live holy lives. We want to live godly lives. We want to see these fruits of the spirit of, of joy and peace and patience in our lives. But God, we know that it is only available to us, Lord, as we would submit to you. God, we pray this morning as we look at your word, Lord, would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Lord, would you help us to become more like you? And Lord, would you give us just an excitement about what you have for us through self-control? And so, Lord, we give you this time. We pray that you'd help the preacher to not speak his words, but yours for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. The ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. But we want to look at God's Word together. This will be the last week when we're bouncing all over the place in the Scriptures. We're going to get into Genesis chapter 21 next week as we begin our continuation of the book of Genesis. But this week, we're going to be jumping around. And so the first verse that I want you to turn to is Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. And this morning, we're going to see four reasons why self-control is necessary Four reasons why self-control is necessary. Self-control is necessary if, first of all, I want, if I want safety in the Lord. If I want safety in the Lord, then self-control is necessary. It says in Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Now, for you and I, we hear that and we're like, uh, what does that mean? A city without walls. I don't see too many cities. Like Calgary does not have walls all around it. Um, you know, what, what is this referring to? Well, when this was written, walls were super important if you wanted to be a, a, def- you, if you wanted a strong defense against your enemies. It was the primary way that a city was kept safe was to have these walls around them. And so they, they didn't need to understand, like, oh, I don't understand the analogy. The analogy is this. If you do not have walls, you're in danger of destruction. And so the, the proverb here says, a, city, a man without control is like that. If you don't have control in your life, you are vulnerable to destruction. You are vulnerable to the dangers of sin in your life. You're, you're, you, 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 when, when sin comes your way and temptation comes your way, you will be quick to run into sin. Think of the drunkard. The drunkard has lost self-control when it comes to alcohol. They can't say no to the next drink. Oftentimes, they think they're okay. I'm fine. I just like, you know, I like adult beverages. You know, I, I'm just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's not a big deal. Everybody does it. Why are you looking at me that way, right? They, but they, they have no self-control. When the next drink is in front of them, they can't say no to it. They must drink it. So it is the person 
who was out self-control. He's like the city broken into with left without walls. So it is with people who are gossips, right? They just cannot wait for the next bit of information so they can pass it on to someone else. Every sin is like this. If you have, if you have no self-control in your life, it will consume you. It will take over. You will become a slave to sin. Before Christ, this is your story. Everyone is a slave to sin. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm a good person. I, I, don't, I don't do bad things. I, I'm a good, you're not a good person. The fact that you're not living for God is testimony to the fact that you're walking in rebellion against him, and that is sin. And sin results in condemnation, but in this sense, it also results in slavery. You are not in charge. The sin in your life is in charge. How are the walls in your life this morning? Are you vulnerable to attack? When temptation comes into your life, is there a fight? Is there a battle? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm just going to do it again? And every one of us, we have different things that we're vulnerable to, right? What, what I struggle with is like, you're like, why do you struggle with that? I have no problems with that. And I look at your thing and I'm like, yeah, same with me. I don't have any problems with that, but I definitely have problems with this. But we all have problems. We all have areas in our life where the walls are lower than they ought to be. And we need to be aware of this and have a plan to fight against it if we're to win the battle, and have self-control. When the temptation comes, do you, are you quick to rationalize that it's okay? That just a little sin is actually good for you, right? I mean, how many studies out there, you know, just a little wine every day is good for the soul. Oh, just a little chocolate is good for you. There's studies say, you know, it's probably put out by wine companies and chocolate people, right? Like, like that, but, but that's what we like to think about our sin. Just a little sin actually is just a good balance in my life. But that's a lie. All sin is destructive. Menikoff says this, when, sin, when temptation comes, we rationalize, I'm just looking. We make excuses. I didn't start the conversation. We presume upon God's grace. I know he'll forgive me. He's God after all. We engage in self-pity. I've had a hard week already. I deserve her attention. To have self-control is to fight temptation and put sin to death. Not just one day, every day. Not just one hour, every hour. The battle is raging every day. Every day we wake up, we, we have this battle between the flesh and between the spirit. And we must have self-control. This should drive us to our knees when we think about the, the, the task that's before us. Who is sufficient for these things? Well, you're not. I'm not sufficient for these things, but the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient. We need to have a biblical understanding of our weakness and his strength. We need to know that because he's walked before us in perfection, we too now can walk in the newness of life. Self-control is given to us as we walk in submission to him. If we would be kept safe from the dangers and destructions of sin, then we must have self-control. What are the dangers of sin? One thing is that we are blinded 
to our own sin, right? We desperately need this. We need the body of Christ. If left to ourselves, we are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, it says in Hebrews 3.13. Like, you're headed for a train wreck in your life, and everybody else sees it but you. You, you, you rationalize and you think that what you're doing is okay, that you are in control of the situation. That the person with the anger problem thinks that they are okay until they're not okay and they've hit someone or they've broken something. The person who is the drunkard thinks they have no problems. They, they think that they can be in control of the situation. The, the person who, with unrestrained lust, thinks that they can just keep it to themselves. They would never actually follow through on their lust until what? Until they do. All three of these examples are, are people who have broken down walls in their lives, and yet they think they are safe. Whenever we, we start to, to take the Bible and like, well, I know it says this, but I'm just going to do this. You are in great danger. You've lowered the walls in your life and destruction is coming. So where are the walls at in your life right now? If you're someone who is not studying the scriptures often, then I want to tell you your walls are low because the voice inside is pretty loud when this voice is not apparent in your life. It is so easy for us to deceive ourselves. And so we must be people of the word. We need to get up each day and read the Bible. Maybe you're a late night person. Before you go to bed every night, you need to read the scriptures. You need to study the scriptures. What is that God desires for my life? Lord, search my heart. Know my heart. See if there be any sinful way in me as I read your word each and every day. We have to do this if we would keep the walls up in our lives. The moment that we're far from the word, then we are close to sin. We must be people of the word. There's three areas where we are vulnerable when it comes to temptation. The first is physical. They're the physical temptations around us. How about in the area of food and drink? How are you doing in that area in your life? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Right? If you'll remember as we went through Romans, guess what? You can eat bacon. Do you guys know that? It's good. It's lawful for you. But if you're like, I need to eat a pound of bacon every day, you may consider whether or not the bacon is in control or whether you're in control. That's called gluttony, Right? And, and Christians, we're pretty blind to that one, right? Let's just be honest. We're like, well, it's just gluttony. It's not, well, it's listed as a sin, right? Why? Because you're trying to find your, your satisfaction, your joy in the cheeseburger, in the bacon, in the whatever, right? That's, that's you're, you're like, I just need that in my life. Anytime we put need above the Lord, then that's sin, so how are you doing in that regard? How are you doing in regards to drink in your life? You feel like you have the freedom to, to, to have a beverage in your life? Then how are you, are you in control? Could you right now just say, you know what, for the next year, I'm not, I'm not actually going to do that. I know I have the freedom to do that, but I'm not going to do that because I want to know for sure that I'm in self-control in this area of my life. 
What about in the area of laziness in your life? How are you doing in regards to laziness? Well, I'm a, I'm a hard worker. Yeah, but, but are you working hard at the spiritual disciplines in your life? Are you a, a man and, or a woman of prayer? Are you a man or woman of the word? Are you just kind of like, when I get home, I just, you know, I just need you know, six hours of Netflix. That's what my soul really needs. Well, that's, that's being lazy, Right? So, so that's another temptation in life. And then, of course, the sexual temptation. I mean, we, we could talk the whole morning about sexual temptation, but how are you doing in that area of your life? Are you walking in purity as God would desire you to walk in purity? It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 5, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. I mean, the temptation to, to sin sexually is maybe at an all-time high. As I mentioned, that just with a click of a button, you can do that now. And so we must be on guard against this in our, in our lives. We need to, to be helping one another in this regard. So how are you doing? How are you doing against these physical temptations in your life? Do you have a plan to fight these temptations in your life? How are you dealing with gluttony? How are you dealing with the the temptation to be a drunkard? How are you doing with the temptation to commit sin sexually? do Do you have high walls in your life? Where are you vulnerable? Are you like Joseph when he was in a compromising situation? We're gonna, I can't wait to like really take some time to study Joseph in Genesis 37. But, but we, as, we, as you look at Genesis and you think about Joseph, he, he's, he's, he's in a terrible spot in his life. His family has abandoned him. They did the most hateful thing. They sold him into slavery. And he has worked his way up in this guy's home. He, he's, he's a servant there. He's a slave there. And, and he's been given all kinds of responsibilities. And then his boss's wife decides that he is someone that she would like to have sex with. I mean, how easy would it have been for Joseph to be like, I mean, I kind of deserve this, really. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, I need love in my life. All I've experienced is hate from those around me. And, you know, this nice lady is, is trying to show me love, you know. I mean, how easy would it have been for her to do that? Or for, sorry, for him to do that. But what? When the temptation comes, he flees. He doesn't stick around. He flees. Even though she's grabbed his robe, he runs out. That's how he dealt with temptation in his life. He didn't mess around with it. He, flee, he fled sexual temptation. And so we must be on guard against these physical temptations in our lives. We must be, be, be those who, who put great efforts in guarding ourselves against these things. But what about... Another area, emotions. How are you doing with your emotions? How are the walls holding up? How are you guarding against anger, self-pity, jealousy, bitterness, and envy in your life? Proverbs 16.32 says this, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. Bridges says here, the taking of a city is child's play compared with this wrestling. That is only the battle of a day. 
this the weary, unceasing conflict of a life, right? It's so much easier to take a city than it is to, to continually daily to be on guard against these things in your life. But through Christ, it is possible. Again, the, the beginning of having self-control in your emotions is to recognize where you are vulnerable and then ask the Lord for his help. Not explaining away why your sinful emotions are okay. There is no such thing as a little sinful. Sin is sin. And then thirdly, there's your thought life. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Is that true in your life? Are you continually taking every thought ca- captive for Christ? We, our eyes and our ears, they, they just, they're feeding us continually. What are you consuming in your life? And then are you, whatever you're, you're, you're bringing in through your eyes and through your ears, are you taking those things captive to Christ in your life? We must if we would walk in God's ways. As, as we think about not just the things we should put off, it says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So instead of thinking about all the garbage in this world, we are to think of these things. And and again, it requires self-control in your life. It requires the spirit to be at work in your life. Everyone has vulnerabilities, as I said, in your life. The person who struggles with gluttony will not struggle necessarily with gossip. And the person who struggles with gossip may not struggle with lust. Everybody has different areas, but we all need to help one another. Bridges says this, as we are tempted to judge others for their lack of self-control in areas where we have no problems, let us remember our own areas of struggle and be charitable in our opinions. In other words, when we see others struggling, not think, don't lift yourself up or puff yourself up thinking I'm better than them. No, instead realize that I'm just the same as them. I have my own struggles and I need to come alongside them and help them and encourage them. Proverbs 27, 12 says this, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And so the question this morning is, where are the dangers in my life? Where are the walls low? Where am I daily? Where am I having troubles? What is my plan to, to, to make sure that I'm not tripped up and tempted in these ways? May the Lord help us to be prudent, not walking foolishly headlong into areas of danger, but avoiding the danger whenever possible. I want to, we're going to talk more about the implications of that in a little bit, but I want us to see that living a life where we see the fruit of self-control not only keeps us safe, but is also used of God for the building of his kingdom. So that I want us to see now, not only does it keep us safe, but I want us to see that growing, it will help us to grow in our sanctification, will help us to, to see God's kingdom built up, and it will also help us to live out our best possible life on this earth. Four reasons why self-control is necessary. Secondly, we see this, if I want success for the Lord. 
If I want successful Lord, what is, what is successful Lord? It is to see his kingdom come and it is to see his will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. That, that's the goal of the believer. Turn to 1 Corinthians 9 this morning. 1 Corinthians 9. I want us to look at verses 24 to 27. Verses 24 to 27. What, what helps us to be effective witnesses for Christ? What helps us to be the ambassadors that God calls us to be? Well, as we look at verses 24 to 27 of 1 Corinthians 9, we see that do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the race that we are all called to be a part of. There is a story of a rather pompous looking leader who was endeavoring to impress upon a class of boys the importance of living the Christian life. One, uh, one day he said, why do people call me a Christian, he said to the students. After a moment's pause, one of the kids said, maybe it's because they don't know you, <laughs> right? Why do people call you a Christian? I don't know. Maybe it's because they don't know you. And I mean, sadly, it's not the case for, for many people. I mean, if, you, if you, they, your coworkers were to find out that you're a Christian, they would be shocked, I mean, how sad is that? How many people don't want anything to do with Christianity because of the, the witness that we have been to them? They have not seen love and joy and peace and patience and kindness in their lives. Instead, they've just seen the same kind of garbage that, that, that they are involved in. And not only that, but these guys are, are judgmental. Sometimes they're hateful. That's what they've seen from Christians. May it not be the case for you and I. This is not what God's called us to. And so Paul says this, listen, this is what I'm doing so that I wouldn't cause anyone to stumble in their faith. I'm running so that I can win. That's what I'm doing. I mean, how many believers have you met? They're like, I'm just happy I'm on the running team. You know, I don't, I don't, even, I don't really work out or do anything. I'm just happy to be on the team and can't wait for heaven someday. That's not how it works, Paul says. We're running to win. We're running to win. And not just win ourselves, but win unbelievers around us. Just look back for a moment at verses 19 through 23 of the same chapter. 19 through 23. Listen to what Paul says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And this is what he's saying is I want more and more people come to faith in Christ. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. This is the context of this running. He's saying, listen, I, 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 I make myself under 
control continually. I, I live a particular way when I'm with the Jews. Listen, I don't eat bacon. I don't even bring it up. I know I could, but I don't. Because why? I want to win them for Christ. I don't want my bacon to be a stumbling block to them. And so I just, I don't, none of like, well, it's my right as a Christian. I can, he doesn't do that. He, he does whatever he can so that he would not be a stumbling block to the unbeliever. Is that true of you this morning? Is that your heart this morning? God, I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. I want the message of the gospel to be heralded, not just through my words, but through my life. And so Paul says, I'm running. I'm running hard. I'm, I'm running with self-control. So that, so he says, so that I might receive the prize. He says, every athlete exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive perishable, a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I mean, think of our athletes of the world today, right? The hockey, you know, hockey's a big deal, right, in Canada? I'm joking, <laughs> right? I'm just seeing if you're still with me. <clears throat> but hockey players, basically what? They work out all year long. They discipline their bodies all year long, more now than ever. There is no real downtime for them. So that, why? So that they might win the prize. How much more so should we as believers, Paul is saying, be disciplined in our lives that we might win the eternal prize? A prize that, that will never be taken away. And then he says this, verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And do you see his heart here? I'm going to do whatever it takes to discipline myself so that I would not be a stumbling block to others, so that I would not then disqualify myself in the race. So there's this, there's this dual focus. I, Lord, I want to grow in godliness. I want to share in the blessings of others coming to faith in Christ, he says here. And so in verse 27, I like what the, uh, the NAB says it more literally. The, the picture here in the Greek is, I give myself a black eye. I make myself a slave so that I would not cause anyone to stumble, so that I would not be disqualified from the race. You think that takes a little effort? You think that takes a little self-control? I mean, the level that Paul's talking about here is, is not something that most of us are, are familiar with, if we're being honest this morning. But I'm praying, as the Spirit works in our lives, we're like, yes, yes, let's do this. God, this is what God's called us to do. We, we need to do this so that we might see as many people saved as possible. To do this is what? Is to follow in the pathway of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is exactly what he did. When, when, it was the easy, when the easy thing would have been to just say, I'm not going to the cross, he doesn't do that. When the easy thing is like, I'm not going to earth, right? I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I'm not doing this project. But instead, because he loves us, because of God's love for you and I, he comes to this earth, he walks in perfect obedience to the Father, tempted in every way as you have been, and yet was in perfect self-control. 
So because he has walked this pathway, it is possible that you and I might do that. Christ came that others, so that you and I could be saved. He's asking you to follow in his steps so that others too can be saved. And so if we want success in the Lord, we must be self-controlled. Thirdly, yeah, I must, if I want, um, sorry, four reasons why self-control is necessary. Thirdly, if I want satisfaction in the Lord. Self-control is necessary if I want sanctification in the Lord. Turn to Titus 1. Turn to Titus 1. And we're just going to hit this really briefly because the pastor, as usual, has written a longer sermon than he should have. Okay? So Titus 1, and, and, and if you look at verse 16, what you see there is the fruit of false teaching. You see the fruit of false teaching. What is the fruit of false teaching? Verse 16 of Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. You, you want to know whether a church is really a true church? Then go and meet the people of that church. Are they living according to this book? Are, 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 they, are, are they serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? If they are, then you know that's a good church. They're teaching good things there, right? I'm not saying they're perfect. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. But is this what they're striving for? And, and Paul is saying, listen, Titus, that's the, that's the fruit of false teaching is what we see there. But I want you to do is I want you to teach sound doctrine. I want you to teach what the word of God says. And then this is the fruit of that we see in verse 2. And what, what he's going to show us is there's things for older men. There's things for younger men. There's things for older women. There's things for younger women. Older men, what is that? What age is that? Wait, when you're 18, you think that's like 40, right? That's 40. Well, best we can figure, 50 plus, okay? So if you're wondering which one is supposed to apply to you this morning, 50 plus for the older and uh, 50, below 50 is for the younger, okay? So what does it say? Older men are to be what? They're to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. This is what older men should look like, which obviously begins as younger men, right? You don't just flip a switch. Oh, I'm 50 now. I'm so dignified. (laughs) Everyone should respect me because I'm 50. That's not how it works. Through a process of God's sanctification in our life, through self-control, note it says that this person should have self-control. Really, self-control is the thing that envelops all of these things. If you're to be sober-minded, if you're to think rightly, you must be self-controlled. If you're to be respectful or dignified, then you must have self-control. If you're to love, if you're to have faith, if you're to to persevere in the way that you ought to, then you must have self-control. Larson says this, to be self-controlled is to subject his body, mind, and will to the higher order of godliness. This covers a wide range of thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors, as we've already looked at. What about older women? It says in Titus 2.3, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. Ladies who are 50 plus, you don't have as much going on, so it's easy to maybe like have that bottle of wine sitting there, he's saying, hey, don't be addicted to too much wine and don't get on with gossiping and slandering other people. These are things you need to guard against in your life. You need to have self-control. 
Also, older ladies, there's a job for you to do. He says they are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Listen, older ladies, 50 plus, as the nest gets empty, the work's not done. He's saying, listen, you need to tell these women who hate their husbands now because they've been married for more than five minutes. So like, wait a minute, what happened? My, my husband's a sinner. I didn't know this until now. And, and so there's this temptation to not want to love your husbands. That, ladies, right? And the older ladies need to say, look, I get it. But I can tell you after 25 years of self-control in my life, and, and doing what God has asked me to do, you need to love your husband. Hey, you need to love your children too. I know it's hard. Like right now, you're just like, is adoption maybe a thing I could look into, right? And then what I'm meaning is I want my kid to be adopted by someone else, right? And, 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 and but, but the older ladies come on, look, I get it. I remember those days. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. But, but this is what we did. This is what the older ladies are to do for the younger ladies and, and to encourage them to be what? Self-controlled. Do we see a theme here? God calls us all to have this self-control in our lives. And, and ladies, you see the rest of the list there to, to be pure. How do we do that? Again, self-control. Working at home. The, the idea here is, is not that you could not work outside the home, but that, that you would have a, an emphasis on caring for the home that, that you would be kind and submissive to your, not to someone else's husband. Do you see that there? Okay. To your own husband. Why? That the word of God would not be reviled. Again, what we were talking about earlier. So that other people would not say like, Christians, what a bunch of hypocrites. Like, I'm not following the word of God. Look at their lives. Why would I, why would I want what they, they have? And so this is why we would do these things, that the word of God would not be reviled. And then what about younger men? <laughs> I, like, I like how long the list is for younger men. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Done. It's like, if they can get that done, everything else will take care of itself, right? Younger men are not known for their self-control. And so Paul is emphasizing this, and this is what they need. And then I want you to just glance down to verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. This is what God desires for his people. This is like he's saving all of us, older men, younger men, older women, younger women. He's saving all of us and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. This is what should be the course of your life. Anyone who's comfortable in these things, you have to ask yourself if you're truly in Christ. God wants us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this time that he has given us. This is his desire for you and I. Can I just say, again, there needs to be a plan in these things. This does not happen without you showing self-control by having a plan. Can I just read this quote by Welch? He says that the, the person who does the, you know, the, the, the New Year's Eve, you know, like, okay, eating healthy next week. That's my plan. I'm going to start exercising. And like it lasts for like two days. Why does that happen? 
He says there was no thoughtful plan, no consideration of the spiritual dominion involved, no calling out for the grace of God in Christ, no real desire to take one's soul to task, and no pleas for help and counsel from other brothers and sisters. A good indicator of whether or not you want to grow in self-control is this. Do you have a clear public strategy? Well, that's a little convicting, isn't it? I really want to change. I really... Do other people know you really want to change? Do they know your plan? Have you asked them about what they think your plan should be? If we want to grow in godliness, then we need to let down our pride and recognize we all have stuff we need to be working on. And then say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. What do you think I should do? And then you both drop to your knees, recognize that only God can give you the power and strength to do those things, and then walk with that accountability. We understand that with physical things, right? You want to be successful in a diet? Tell five people about it, right? Why? Because in our pride, we're like, well, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to tell them I actually gained weight this, weight this week. I better do something about it, right? And, and, and hey, you want to work out? What's the best thing? Have somebody to work out with. We understand that physically. How much more should we understand that spiritually? We need one another. Then lastly, I want us to understand this, and I think this is so important. Self-control is necessary if I want satisfaction from the Lord. If I want satisfaction from the Lord. This whole time, I wonder if in the back of your mind, this self-control thing you're thinking is, is just, ugh, it's so binding. Like self-control, like, oh, so much hard work. And like, yeah, I get it, Pastor. Okay, blah, blah, blah. I'll do the best I can. But, you know, like, why do we think like that? Because we think self-control is actually bad for us. We, we, we think that saying no to sin in our lives is actually a little bit of a detriment, if we're really being honest. It's not truly good. We, we think, and we believe the lie that Satan gave in the garden, we think that by having self-control and walking in God's ways, it actually will make a worse life for us. Our life will not be as happy. It will not be as fulfilling. It, you know, I won't have what I want if, if, if I truly give my life over to Christ. And I want you to understand that that is the biggest lie of Satan. Every sin destroys. You, you, like, um, why is there so much chaos in our world today? Why is there so much destruction? Why is there so much hate? It's called sin, original sin. Like, do we not need a blueprint? Like, do we really need to be convinced of the fact that sin is destructive? Yet, it seems like, yes, we do. We think that sin is okay. And so we kind of, we, we give ourselves all kinds of slack in regards to certain sins in our lives. I mean, what's another 10 donuts? Big deal. What's another five drinks? What's another click on the internet? What's another ranting and raving? Who cares? I mean, we're in Christ. He'll forgive us. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If you want to be used of God, if you want the best possible life on this earth, then you need to have self-control. He tells you say no to those things because they're bad for you, not because they're good for you. He wants what's best 
for you. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Redemption, let's be convinced. Let us know it to be a fact that to walk in God's ways, to have self-control is the most satisfied you could be in this world. And so let's, let's, let's let down the guards in regards to our, our little walls that we've put around us, our little masks that we've put around us and, and, and telling everybody, oh, we're great. We don't have any problems. Let's take those off and let's build walls together against sin, against temptation. And I am praying for us as we enter this fall that God would help us in this area of self-control, that love and joy and peace would be evident to all those around us, that they might be drawn to our Lord Jesus Christ, that many people who are lost and dying in our city would be saved through our witnesses. Is that your prayer this morning? Is that your desire? then let us be a people of self-control. It is a gift of God. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for this time together this morning. God, your word is so good. It is so rich and powerful. God, we're praying this morning that we would be convinced of your goodness, that we would be convinced that, Lord, your ways are so much better than our ways, and that, Lord, we would desire self-control in our lives, that we would desire to walk in faithfulness to you. God, thank you so much that, Lord, you have freed us from sin. Lord, you have freed us from our slavery. God, help us not to pick up those chains again. Help us not to, 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 to be people of pride, but, Lord, help us to grow in sanctification. Lord, help us to, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. We know that is possible through self-control. So God, would you bring yourself honor and glory through your people? Lord, we pray for the lost this morning. God, I pray that they would not see all the hypocrites around them, but God, they would see Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would see that you are the way, the truth, and life, and that anyone who comes to you can have eternal life. May they see what it says in John 10, 10, Lord, that you have come that we might have life and have it abundantly. Not just in the life to come, but now. Lord, you offer the abundant life. Lord, may we gladly walk in your ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.